0: Hello, all you bats and cats. Welcome to the Fish Nuts and Phantoms podcast. This is your host, Amy Shopes-Rain. Good to be here to talk to you all today on the 31st of January. This is a late one. It's just going to barely hit into uh, the 31st, but time management has never been my strong suit. Tonight is our bonus episode for the 31st. And it's going to be a good one. Tonight we are going to do the long-awaited, well, I guess not very long-awaited, probably about a month of Bunkin' which was our contest-winning movie review for this month. And you might be asking, what is Fishnets and Phantoms? We are a podcast that reviews genre and horror media from a post-punk perspective. First, let's do some news. In music news, the iconic avant-garde industrial German experimental band, Einsterzende Neubauten, I hope I pronounced that pretty close to right. I believe I Believe it's close to right. I talked to a German person to get the somewhat correct pronunci- pronunciation, though maybe I should have recorded him doing it. Einsterzende Neubauten is going to be touring America in 2020. By the way, that means collapsing new buildings. Einstein Day in my uh, The band originally formed in the 1980s in West Berlin. It is celebrate it is celebrating the Lunar New Year of the Rat, symbol of ingenuity and versatility, by touring Europe and North America this summer and fall. Founding members Blixa Bargeld, N.U. Unra, as well as Alexander Hockey, Jochen Arbright and Rudolf Moser make up the current lineup. The band is known for their custom-built instruments and philosophical and poetic lyrics. In more music news, Leggy, the band that so impressed us with their show with the Summer Cannibals for one of our inaugural episodes, possibly our furry first episode, was selected by iHeart Local Music, as one of the best shows of 2019. (laughs) I'm going to go back into the last century. 2019. So, good news for Leggy. Congratulations. I would advise picking up one of their CDs. They're good stuff, and I think they're going to be going places. I hope, at least. I hope to hear them on commercial radio any day now. In science news, we have a bit of sad news for the previously thought nigh indestructible microanimals tardigrades they according to new studies published in scientific reports are susceptible to heat fluctuations tardigrades who have become very popular on social media are microanimals who can live through incredible amounts of radiation freezing temperatures and various other things that are deadly for most creatures are apparently going to be very susceptible to, to the new warming trend on the earth. So we all hope for their sake and our own that we can get climate change under control. Speaking of the effects of climate change, our hearts go out to Australia and Puerto Rico for their recent disasters. If you are in any way capable Please consider donating to charities benefiting those afflicted. There was a short news blurb about how supposedly wombats were taking other animals into their burrows and sheltering them from the fire. Unfortunately, that turned out to be fake news, and the wombats just have some housebreakers and intruders and are not particularly happy with that. But I don't suppose being wombats that they're particularly upset about it or do too much to get them to leave. I mean, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe they do. Maybe wombats are total jerks. They don't look like it, though. They look really pleasant and cute and fuzzy. And I hope that they're happy and healthy and safe from all the fires. Okay, on to our main subject... Pumpkinhead. Okay, this is the 1988 folk horror revenge de- demon movie, Pumpkinhead. It was directed by the iconic special effects master, Stan Winston, based on a poem by Ed Justin. The story was co-written by Stan Winston, Richard C. Winman, Greg Guerrini, and Mark Patrick Carducci. Here is the poem that Pumpkinhead came from. Keep away from Pumpkinhead unless you're tired of living. His enemies are mostly dead. He's mean and unforgiving. Laugh at him and you're undone. But in some dreadful fashion, vengeance he considers fun and plans it with a passion. Time'll not erase or blot a plot that he is brewing. It's when you think that he's forgot. He'll conjure your undoing. Bolted doors and windows barred. Guard dogs prowling in the, prowling in the yard won't protect you in your bed. Nothing will from Punkin Head. Huh? So that is the spooky poem that uh, they decided to make into the movie Punkin Head. They have some children recite it um, in the po- in the movie and somewhat distressing fashion while teasing a younger, frightened child. Um, But I suppose that is a never-ending pursuit of slightly older children to tease little children with frightening poems and stories. Yay. (laughs) Okay, I was excited uh, when the contest winner chose Pumpkinhead. I saw this movie on VHS in the 90s, dun-dun-dun, back in the 90s, a million-zillion years ago, and I was not expecting very much. I figured it would be a mindless slasher with no plot, worse acting, until I saw that Lance Hendrickson was in it. Lance Hendrickson is a character actor who has been in several supporting roles in famous movies, such as Dog Day Afternoon, and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. But I knew him from roles in genre movies, where he stood out as a strikingly calm, intelligent character who was in the midst of chaos doing his best to work through the situation. He was the police detective calming down Sarah Connor in the original Terminator movie, the head vampire of the vampire gang in Near Dark, and the android bishop in Aliens, who proves that some androids can be trusted. Unlike in the first Alien movie. Well, the first movie named Alien. I'm not really sure how that sentence should be structured. <laughs> so, anyways. Um, Bishop was the good alien in Aliens. Wait, no. No, he was, Bishop was the good android. Or synthetic person, as he likes to be called. In Aliens. As opposed to the not very nice alien or uh, not very nice of course the alien is not very nice not very nice android or synthetic person in the first movie all right in pumpkin head hendrickson plays ed harley the owner of a small country store who briefly leaves his young son alone while running an errand only to return home to find his son has been accidentally mortally wounded by a dirt bike riding gang of teenagers Mad from grief and shock, Ed Harley remembers his childhood, where a man was killed and eaten by a monster outside the family's house, where his father had denied the man entry to. Now, this is actually shown before anything else in the movie, so it's kind of confusing. It just starts in media res with the little kid looking out the window watching this poor gentleman trying to gain entry into the house, pounding on the door and crying and begging them, asking if they're true Christians to please let him in. But his father it pulls him away from the window and his mom tries to comfort him and uh, they seem to know that something terrible is coming. Now the uh, child version of Ed Harley Uh, goes to the window for some reason afterwards, even though he's been pulled away from it, and he uh, sees a particularly distressing um, dinner, (laughs) a particularly distressing picnic lunch by Pumpkinhead as he uh, tears apart and devours the man who was trying to get into their home. So that is the Revenge Demon Pumpkin Head. Um, the movie is not—I mean, it's really dated now because, well, I mean, it's like what would that be? Like thirty years old, twenty-five, or something like that. But um, it is surprisingly good from what it was for what it what it was. Um, there are really interesting things about it. The way that it's filmed, the cinematography is quite good for what it is. I'm I don't believe that it was they spent very much money on the um, film, but it has some really beautiful scenes shot in, uh, well, what was supposedly the um, Bayous? No, not the Bayous. I guess it would be the Appalachian Mountains. So the movie starts out in a kind of a sunny, happy fashion with Lance Hendrickson, um well, after the scene with Pumpkinhead earlier. Lance Hendrickson playing with his young son who is terrifyingly cute. He is like amazingly cute. Uh, I don't think he's done he did much acting after um his role in Pumpkinhead, but um, yeah, he was he was uh he was great. And uh, playing with him and his little dog, Gypsy. Well, I guess not little, medium-sized dog, Gypsy. And as soon as I see a dog in a horror movie, I'm always like, oh, no, oh, no. Especially a horror movie before, like, I don't know, 2015 or so. Because they used to be pretty much goners. And um, seems like sometime around 2015, uh, the directors noticed that, yeah, we just don't need that. But, um, okay, spoiler alert, spoiler. Alert. Actually, this whole podcast is going to be a spoiler for Pumpkinhead. So if you haven't seen Pumpkinhead, go see it because it's really good and then come back to this. But, anyways, uh, like they say, it is not what happens, but how it happens. So I'm going to keep going with this. Uh, dog's fine. Dog does not get killed. Uh, I thought that Pumpkinhead was for sure going to eat the dog or something, but no, dog seems to be fine. I didn't notice any dog killing. Everybody else killing, but not dog killing. Well, not everybody else, but a lot of people. Okay, so anyways, there's, like, this sunny, happy scene with Lance Hendrickson playing with his kid. And, like, he takes him inside. And he's apparently a single dad. And um little kid has glasses, like these tiny glasses that goes on. And he takes the little kid with him to his um, general store that he has. And um, it's kind of interesting. On the outside of it, there's an old sign, like, propped up against the um, side of the building, and it says Leaving Hope, which is, uh, yeah, (laughs) kind of shows you the, well, I suppose that's pretty much the plot of any horror movie. One thing that uh, you notice very soon is there's a um, us-versus-them, a very strong us-versus-them mentality to the movie to the characters in the movie there's the appalachian folk and then there's the city folk that um are the dirt biker kids that come in and they are not at all welcome um they come through and i kind of think that there's you know they, they spend some money in the area so they don't like kick them out or anything or menace them but um yeah, they're definitely not welcome. The setup is pretty quick. Um, Lance Hendrickson's at a store with this incredibly cute little kid, and the cars drive up with the dirt bikers. Um, they all have their dirt bikes like um, in little trailers behind their cars. And they are just like the typical alpha male 80s, jerk-offs like dripping with bulliness and uh hair product and just like ugh, just really creepy um there's girls with them and they are very typical 80s girls but they're, they seem a little bit nice but i don't know they're they're kind of condescending how they treat uh lance hendrickson and the little kid but yeah they go to the store to get soda and some other um, supplies before they're going up to a cabin, which I think one of the boys' uh, family owns. And um, as they're doing that, Lance Hendrickson um, is approached by a farmer, friend of his, to get his uh, shipment, and Lance Hendrickson forgot to grab it and bring it with him up to the... um, up to the store, so he tells the little boy, you know, hey, stay out of trouble and just stay inside the store and I'm going to quick run this shipment over to our friend's house. And um, so the kid is like, you know, okay, cool, you know, whatever, man. Jerky 80s kids are um, screwing around on their um, dirt bikes and um, they decide to, like, start like, doing wheelies and, like, jumping over the, uh, it's, like, it's, it's near, in the mountains, but it's not, like, particular they're not, like, jumping off of mountains, they're jumping off of, like, little, um, rises and stuff like that. Now, Gypsy the dog absolutely hates these kids, and he absolutely hates the dirt bikes, and the... Little kid, uh, Matthew, um, goes to comfort the dog, but the dog is having none of it and runs out after the dirt bikes. And the little kid goes running after the dog to save him because I mean, who wouldn't go to run after their dog to save it? And um, one of the dirt bikes comes over a ridge and nearly kills the or hits the little kid and like knocks him down and he like wipes out to in, or, in order to get away from the kid um and it's like oh my god oh my god i almost hit you and just as he says that the other dirt bi- dirt bike comes over the ridge and um smashes into the little kid and hits him and he's they don't really show him they just kind of there's like a little like lump on the ground and um a couple of the kids seem to be, actually most of the kids seem to be very sorrowful, except for the main kid whose name is Joel, and he's not he is just he's just the creep of all creeps. There's a girl who's a photographer. She takes like photos of everybody, and she runs into the store and tries to call an ambulance and um there's kind of like a a nerdy guy who um seems to like her and he goes running after her and they're trying to call for help and joel the um i don't know the alpha male guy comes in afterwards and cuts the phone line which is like oh my god like you know obviously you are total but i mean it's an 80s movie you know it's he's got to be pretty villainous in his role. So that kind of sets up the whole um, beginning of what's going to be happening. That's the and uh, the uh, thing that gets the action going. So unfortunately, Lance Hendrickson comes back and um, finds his kid, and his kid isn't dead yet, but he's not doing well, and he uh, takes him home and. He puts him in the car and takes him home. He just drives off, and he, like, takes him and cleans him up, and he's in his little bed with the patchwork quilt, and he's telling him a really sweet story, kind of like the ones he had told him earlier in the day, and is cleaning him up, but he realizes it's too late, and he can't um, do anything for the little boy. I thought it was a little bit odd that he didn't immediately try to take him to a hospital or something, but I think in the story they imply that there's not any, like, civilization near there. It's just, like, the old—I don't know. It's not old country, but old American country, I guess. I mean, it's there's, like, nothing there. There's a small settlement, it seems, that is extremely poor. And then Lance Hendrickson's store, which, I don't know, maybe, perhaps that is like the height of civilization in the area. Meanwhile, the uh, dirt bike kids go to their cabin, and uh, Joel is pretty horrible. He um, knocks the nerdy kid out and uh, locks up her, him and the photographer girl in a closet, and um, swears that he's never going back, going to confess to hurting the boy, be, even though it was an accident, uh, because he has an accident from not long before, and he's like, well, I was drinking, and, you know, they're going to throw the book at me, and, well, you know, of course all of this seems a little bit hokey. I think it's an 80s movie. Uh, well, 90s movie. Eh, whatever. Um... 80. What was it? 88. Yeah, 80s movie. Um, so Lance Hendrickson then goes to the the little poor farming community, and goes up to his uh, friends and asks them where she is. And everybody's like, "She, she." But uh, the uh, the farmer is reluctant to tell him what uh, what Lance Hendrickson wants to know, and uh, uh, his quote was she can't help you the only thing she can do for you is to take you straight to hell and he's Lance Hendrickson you know being the protagonist is just too distraught and too filled with grief to listen at all to him and he said that you know he had heard that there was somebody that could do something in um in times like this, time if, if somebody was very guilty of something and there was no way to get revenge, she could do something. But um, the uh, farmer refuses to tell him where this witch is, and um, unfortunately for Lance Hendrickson, his kid, who's... Unpleasant <laughs> decides that he would do it for money, and Lance Hendrickson learns the location of Haggis, played by Florence Scheffler, Sheff- who is magnificent in the role of the old country, which she's um, very menacing, and um, it's really like the whole kind of like the whole feeling of the movie changes during this part. Um, Lance Hendrickson drives into like the Witch's Cove or area where she is, and the whole theme, the whole like visual theme of the movie changes, and everything becomes very blue. There's it becomes inexplicably dark. Toads like start leaping around. Crows are cawing. Uh, you see orange glowing windows in the background from her hut. There's uh owls and rats and it just it's um the a very story tale like feeling to the setting. And um there's there's a theme throughout the movie where everything outside is very blue. And everything inside is very orange, like a red, like a flame, like burning color. And that plays out through the entire movie, except for those small amount of daylight scenes that they have. Brings in his um, little boy who's covered in uh, the patchwork quilt that he slept with. And the witch is very menacing and uh, declares to him, that there's nothing I can, she can do for him. Nothing she can do. And... Um, asks him, who are you? And says, afraid reason the dead ain't in my power. But he goes in front of her and puts on her little table, which is like an altar, um, a whole bunch of silver and jewelry and coins. And um, there's a face-like thing on the table, and there's tarantulas crawling around. And she says, what you want, Ed Harley? Say it. Say it. She keeps like she must need him to actually say uh, to ask for the cursed thing to happen to him and able to have the power to be able to give that to him. But yeah, then she goes on to say, "What you're asking is going to have a powerful price," and uh, so she sends uh, Ed Harley. To dig out the um, bones of a uh, resident, former resident of the um, area from uh, Razorback Hollow, and I guess that's where they used to bury the uh, "quote unquote" kin that they were ashamed of. And he he acts really innocent and is like, "Well, you know, how do you how do I know where to go?" And she just looks at him and she's like, "At Harley, you'll know." And that is like super creepy. Just just the the um feeling of the witch as um speaker of fate as if she is, uh, she knows she knows all well, she at least knows more than anyone else in the movie, in the situation. Um, this whole part is very folk tale. Um it's I guess it's storytale before, um, so I apologize for that. But it's a um, very reminiscent of a folk tale. Um, it brings into play a lot of things like um, the concept of fate that this this is like pushed into motion, and um, There's not really any stopping it. There's not really anything that can stop it. It's a lot like J-horror, where once the cycle is set in motion, there's no way to stop it. Um, There's going to be death. There's going to be um, revenge. Uh, This revenge demon has apparently been around for a very long time, and uh, the initial body that he removes from the graveyard uh, seems to be quite deformed. Um, and uh, this is probably troublesome to um, people who are uh, disabled rights activists watching the movie. Um, but it is true that people were very prejudiced against anyone who was born with a physical deformity at the time and that a number of Folk tales do allude to uh, physical deformity making a person, uh, I don't know, more susceptible to evil or just evil in the first place, which is, of course, very problematic. But this uh, seems to be part of the Duncan Head's origin um, and or why why he's the kin that they were ashamed of or whatever. The movie itself has... Elements leading towards a uh, folk, uh, folk horror. In the, in the, especially in this part, um, there's parts that go back to it. Uh, he revisits the witch when um, he later sets loose the pumpkin head demon upon the uh, '80s kids, uh, the uh, city kids, and regrets it nearly instantly because he is able to see through the. Pumpkinhead's eyes, and they do actually a really interesting um, makeup device with this where Lance Hendrickson starts assuming uh, the look of the Pumpkinhead as like the more the Pumpkinhead lives, the more the Pumpkinhead kills, it, the more that Lance Hendrickson becomes part of the original Pumpkinhead, or part of the Pumpkinhead, the more he can see, the more he can feel the uh Pumpkinhead's um, body as he uh goes about his revenge. Um a lot of the film had, does have elements of slasher movies, um, as Punkinhead um stalks and kills off City Kids. It doesn't seem to have any uh, how would you say any differentiation between um the kids that were more sympathetic and actually tried to help the child but it uh, doesn't know perhaps because I don't think Lance Hendrickson really knew who was responsible for the actual accident Um, and well he doesn't view it as an accident perhaps he views it as an accident but he doesn't care he still feels that they are at fault for taking really the only good thing out of his life yeah So Lance Hendrickson then revisits the witch, and she basically laughs in his face and tells him that's you know, he started this and there's not really anything he can do to get out of the situation that he's put himself in. So he decides that he's going to try to go and kill the pumpkinhead himself, but of course the witch just mocks that idea and um, points out that he's just going to die all the faster than and the the witch uh the uh is amazing or Shafler I'm sorry uh for is amazing in her part. Um she just has like so much menace and so much I don't know like weight to her performance. And of course L- Lance Hendrickson is always good because unlike a lot of uh, actors in genre movies, he just brings uh, gravitas to his role. He's not He's not hamming it up. He's a serious actor when he plays any part, and that is refreshing. I mean, it's it's so nice um, to see. But yeah, the 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 feeling of the hopelessness, you know, that, that there's not not any way out of it, is the creepiness. I or part of the like the deeply like, creepiness of this. Like I said like it is a lot like j horror where it's just it's it's in motion there's nothing you can do this um is also an issue in the sequels to this movie um there are i believe three sequels to um punkin head and they're pretty horrible um <laughs> I have to admit i I saw part of one of them that was made for sci fi movie um it was okay, but it's it's sad because it's it, it like um, another movie that was around was filmed around a similar time. Um, Candyman had a, a really disturbing story and uh, kind of a, a beautiful mythology. And actually, the second Candyman was was very good too. But I don't think that they got the attention that they could have gotten. Maybe there's going to be a remake coming up soon of Candyman. And I'm I'm somewhat hoping that they do pick up um, Pumpkinhead and do a a beautiful version like this. Like I, I would like to see Ari Aster's Pumpkinhead. I mean, that, seriously, I would really actually love to see Ari Aster's Pumpkinhead because um, there's so so much that you can do with this this mythology. And, um, just, you know, the, 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 message of you don't necessarily want what you want. I mean, you, you feel that you want revenge until you get it or you start to get it. And then you realize how horrific revenge is. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, there's a part where the witch says, um, Haggis says, nothing I can do. Fate's got to run its course now. What did you think, Ed Harley? It's going to be easy, neat, clean, and painless? You're a fool. So basically, she's mocking the sort of of modern mindset of Ed Harley, thinking that you know, oh well, you know, I'm just going to say the words, or I'm going to pay the witch, and she's going to take care of it, and everything will be done. But that's not how revenge works. That's not how that's how the world is. That's not how life is. And that's kind of one of the basic themes of folk horror: is that things have a price, and that price is way more than our modern world can deal with a lot of times. It has to do with, we have to deal with things like death. We have to deal with pain and we have to deal with our physical bodies. We have to take care of things that need to be taken care of and we can't just check out and have somebody else do it for us. There's not a neat, and clean, painless way to deal with the death of your son or to deal with a revenge situation and um yeah i uh i think that 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 is partially what makes horror movies very important for people to watch for people especially of our generations um to see because we kind of live in a, a sterile world and we don't have to deal with a lot of these issues um anymore. So after that, like I said, it kind of there's a lot of uh descent into a uh, kind of slasher sort of melee part of the movie. Kind of the best part that in the future part coming up is uh, is uh the parts where Lance Hendrickson is confronting um Pumpkinhead and, at the same time, turning into Pumpkinhead. And you start to realize, as they fight, he starts to realize, as they fight, that anything that hurts him is also hurting Pumpkinhead. And you see it dawn in his eyes what he has to do. And he makes a few more attempts at, at hurting Pumpkinhead and then feeling the pain himself. Towards the end... Um, He's attacking Pumpkinhead and, and accidentally spears himself with a pitchfork and sees Pumpkinhead howl in pain and realizes that he has to die. And so, um, in the very beginning of the movie, in a <laughs> um, a uh, very uh, Chekhov's gun sort of situation, except for this time it's Chekhov's flamethrower sort of situation. Um, at the very beginning of the movie, which I probably should have mentioned earlier, uh, Lance Hendrickson is burning some weeds with um, his flamethrower, and which I don't know. Apparently, <laughs> apparently people in the sticks have flamethrowers just laying around. Um, but anyways, he has a flamethrower and he's like burning off some weeds or something in his on uh, his property, and um, he realizes that the only way to Kill off Pumpkinhead is for him to die. And so he talks to the final girl, um, the girl who was the um, photographer. You know, I do know the names of all of these characters, but you don't really care. I mean, she's the photographer girl. Um, uh, Um, Joel is the bad guy then. He died pretty quickly. (laughs) But anyways, photographer girl. um, Tracy. Tracy is her name. She uh, has to... Kill finally kill um lance Hendrickson, which is the only way to kill Pumpkinhead, and, and um uh, she does, and she sets Lance Hendrickson on fire with the flamethrower, and as she does, punkinhead burns into flames and uh is uh is burnt in, burnt into uh, ashes, as is Lance Hendrickson and uh then it kind of kind of fades to black, but the, there's a little bit of an end scene where uh, Haggis, uh, the witch from earlier, reburies Pumpkinhead in the mound that Pumpkinhead um, was buried in. Um, but you realize that as she's burying, in a very 80s movie um, ending, kind of like with the hand coming out of the grave and carry, et cetera, et cetera, um, the body that she's burying, though it's curled up and... Uh, Deformed like Pumpkinhead became, or Pumpkinhead was. um, It is wearing the necklace uh, that a necklace that the child had given um, Lance Hendrickson early in the movie, and that it is in fact Lance Hendrickson, Um, and he's going to be the new Pumpkinhead from time time in memoriam, I suppose, until the next Pumpkinhead is called, and then hopefully he will be able to have some freedom. And I don't know. Can you? I. Well, I suppose he's, they keep saying that he's bound for hell, so I don't know if there's any way for him out of it. I saw the one sequel to the movie, I didn't see any more. Um, the Ed Harley character is sympathetic. You do kind of hope that he does find some sort of uh, forgiveness in his life, but you gotta say that he did cause the quite horrific deaths of. <laughs> Uh, at least six teenagers, if not more people. Yeah, I think there are some more people that Punkin' Head get, catches on the way. Um, so the movie is partially, you know, eighty slasher, um, no brain movie, but it does have of uh, something more, something delicate and kind of um, beautiful in its uh, folktale, uh, fairy tale sort of in inserts. Uh, I don't know exactly how to say it. Right now, because, eh, like I said, I'm having a long day. (laughs) But, yeah, um, I very much recommend um, Punkin' Head from 1988. Uh, I think it's available for a couple dollars streaming. I don't think it's free on any channels right now. Uh, This always can change. Check out Just Watch, the Just Watch app, in order to find out where you can um, get a hold of it to to view i highly recommend um a couple more things of business i would like to say as always thank you very much to the dark discussions podcast group uh, including phil prone who has always been a great help to this podcast and um if you are in the milwaukee area You might want to check out the little stores on Knick Knick in the Bayview area uh, around uh, just a little north of the Avalon Theater. Love Unlimited is a thrift store that I found recently and they have all sorts of happy things. There's um, t-shirts and a lot of like vintage jewelry and Albums, some really interesting album collection. I have a really interesting album collection. Um, it is run by Sage Swarm. I'm sorry, I think that's how you say your last name. Sage, Sage Schwarm. Formerly of Wild Kingdom a million years ago, when I know I'm from. Um, and uh, Becky Huck, I think it was, or Becky Hacks. Um, uh, Becky Huck, I think. Anyways, uh, they are incredibly nice. And their store is extremely interesting. It's been around forever. I just never entered it until recently, but, uh, check that out. Yeah. Also, uh, just check out the general area. There's uh, nice little bookstores. There's, uh, some great restaurants. Um, but yeah, uh, that is my commercial for (laughs) downtown pay I guess. All right, guys, I will see you on the 13th with hopefully more of a brain, and I will have an interesting podcast on oh, the horrors of love, I guess. Um, I'm not sure what movie I'm going to pick out yet. If you have anybody has any suggestions, please shoot them to me on the Facebook uh, Fishnets and Phantoms podcast group. I look forward to hearing from each and every one of you. Please, 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 if you have a chance, um, go to your internet provider, especially Apple Podcasts, and give us a five-star rating if you feel that you would would like to, and um, uh, follow this podcast because that would help us greatly. Tell your friends all about it, and I will see you soon. Take care, and stay warm out there. It's pretty cold. Bye-bye.